Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is a returning guest. He's been on a couple times, Charles Franny. He's the author of Slaying Dragons and former high school theology teacher. Today, we're going to talk about his latest book, Slaying Dragons 2, The Rise of the Occult, What Exorcists and Former Occultists Want You to Know, and also talk about uh, you as a former theology teacher and now full-time apostolate in Slaying Dragons. Charles, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Deacon. It's great to be back on the show. So what is what is it like to, uh, and I think you had given it up last time we talked uh, in terms of being a theology teacher, but spending full time on this apostolate and the occult and, you know, what the evil one's doing out there, how's that been going for you? Yeah, it would seem like a, either a, a risky or a daunting task to take on something like this. But um, I'm almost finished with the second full year of the apostolate, and God is um, definitely sustaining it and directing it. It's um, a constant surrender because you know something like this, like I don't, I don't market, I don't spend money on advertising. It's all kind of grassroots. As I try to remind people, so podcast interviews, word of mouth, getting my books into the hands of priests and bishops, that helps keep it alive. Um, but yeah, so far. It's uh, it's going really well. Well, how can people follow what you're doing with the apostolate and uh, keep track of all your writings? Yeah, so with the latest book, I've kind of consolidated. I used to have um, my old idea for um, a spiritual business was the retreat box. So you'll see my name associated with the retreat box. But that didn't really fit anymore with what I'm doing. So I, the new website where everybody can find me um, is slayingdragonspress.com. So that's uh, my old retreat box. I changed the name, you know, refashioned it. And I also had a blog where I would write articles. It was the slayingdragonsbook.com. And that one's now dormant. Everything's still there, but I'm, anything new is at slayingdragonspress.com. And um, every, all my books are on Amazon and Slaying Dragons itself. The main book is selling pretty much everywhere. My other books are not yet on the wide market because as a, an indie press publisher, it takes a little time to, to get into all those different niches. Um, so this recent book, uh, you know, you've done dozens of interviews, which were, which are fascinating from various, from pastors to exorcists to those that were in the occult. Um, maybe we can start off by just explaining to people when you say a cult, what is meant by that? And why is it so dangerous to souls? Yeah. And that was, um, that was something I wrestled with when it came to naming the book, because a lot of people might not know what the occult refers to, but like you said, in the very beginning of the interview, it's now so prolific that people at least have an idea. And then of course, if you look at the subtitle, I do sneak in the four words, um, buried in there on the cover of the book, which is Wiccans, New Agers, Satanists. And that gives you kind of a mini definition. So the occult, and I think it's in the introduction chapter, I go over about, I don't know, I should count them, like 10 or so primary sources of the occult. So you have my book here. Yeah. So just a quick list, um, witchcraft. So this is all under the umbrella of the word occult. 
witchcraft, Satanism, Wicca, astrology, the New Age, manifesting, yoga, Reiki, spiritualism, and as I say, a whole host of other spiritual, superstitious, and pagan practices. And one of the things that's happening is now that the occult is really um, just like Satanism, you can see it out in the public. It's no longer afraid. It no longer needs to be hidden. And that's what the word occult means. It used to be the secret, esoteric, hidden, dark, you know, shunned spiritual practices because they were dangerous and they were amoral or very immoral and blasphemous. So no one wanted to talk about it in public. But now the occult feels very comfortable showing its face, revealing what it is. And so it's multiplying is taking on all these new forms and really insinuating itself, burying itself, hiding itself in that occult way within all of these self-help movements, all these different subtleties, uh, philosophical subtleties in the culture. So in one sense, it's in the in public. In another sense, it's still occult. And then you asked about, uh, I think it was the dangers. Is that right? What what are some of the dangers of this? Yeah, why why you know, and why is it so dangerous to our souls, and, and especially being so prolific, like you're talking about? Yeah, so um, you, it's hard to to diagnose what the occult, what the devil's really doing. This is the devil's religion. It's very easy to say that to to label it that way, but it's putting on all these different masks and appearing in all these different ways. It's very difficult to pin down. Uh, completely, which is one of the dangers. And that's one of the things the devil does. He likes to hide. He likes to not show up. He likes to convince people he's not there. So we're living in a spiritual void. And I lay that out in the first couple of chapters. Um, nothing unfamiliar to people, but something that really needs to be diagnosed. So I try to diagnose it um, very clearly in the book. Like we're in a spiritual vacuum. The, the Christianity has collapsed in the United States, really throughout the world. There are pockets of deep devotion, which is really remarkable. It shows you that the Holy Spirit is still working through the church, especially with the traditional Catholic movement and a lot of new interest in like the the Byzantine rites, like tradition, mystery, um, depth of religious practice. There's that resurgence inside the church, but that's the a fraction of the practitioners, the rest of the world is just has given up on God and has really deified themselves. And here's where the New Age, sorry, not the New Age, that's one prevalent manifestation of the occult, but where the occult really sneaks in is a philosophical sense of deification of the self appearing in all these different ways. And it's so subtle that people are doing it. A lot of Christians, and I make this point, I can't remember which chapter it is, but the occult among Catholics, Christians are embracing these occultic mindsets. So what it does is it sets you apart from God, even against God. You start to will, you start to try to create things like you are the creator. It's very, it goes very much back to Adam and Eve, to the fall, like uh, taking from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and exerting yourself against God in the place of God. But what it what it does, and I lay this out throughout the book, is it destroys people. And this is this is where the lie is is believed. People think, oh, this is fascinating. I get wisdom, I get power, because the devil does do things. But then very quickly they see that they are trapped. They are imprisoned. They have embraced a terrible moral system, a self-destructive moral system. They're becoming evil people. And it kills people spiritually and can tear up their lives um, physically as well. Well, I think it's it's also good to remind people in the beginning that, <clears throat> right, Christ wins the war. The devil is on a very short leash. He can't do anything that the Lord doesn't allow. He doesn't will evil, but he does allow, 
you know, us that temptation, right? Because we do have free will. So it's not something that we should cower and be afraid to go outside, but it is something we need to be greatly aware of, as you mentioned, because it really is everywhere. And it's not only outside the church, right? We're seeing some demonic and some evil uh, uh, prelates within the church that are trying to change the teachings of Jesus Christ, that are trying to normalize uh, same-sex marriage, so-called same-sex marriage. So we really have to be on guard and be aware and be able to discern good from evil, don't we? Yeah, and that's, like, you, you hit two big points there. Hopefully I won't get sidetracked because there's so much to talk about. Is that <laughs> as, <laughs> as devout Catholics, uh, and this is the point I make in the book and all these priests I've been talking to, I may have another book in the works just talking about this, is that we don't need to fear the devil in any of his manifestations, including through the occult. And there are some great stories of, of saints, uh, early church Christians, who did not care that some sorcerer was trying to curse them. They would just make the sign of the cross, and the sorcerer would, sorcerer would, be, would become uh, totally inca- uh, impotent in his sorcery, because Christ conquers everything. So we don't need to fear curses. They are devout Catholics in a state of grace. We don't need to fear curses, witches, Satanists. But because of that spiritual vacuum, most—and I saw a study, and I have the paper somewhere— uh, I think it was uh, two-thirds, that's right over here, only one in three Catholic parents say it's very important that children share their beliefs, their religious beliefs. Only one in three Catholic parents are handing on the faith. Probably this is the United States. So you have two-thirds of Catholic kids growing up uncatechized, completely unchristianized, possibly. Like, we'll let them choose, and we'll let them choose their own gender. Like, it's getting so insane so here's where the danger comes in, because the occult's everywhere. These kids want something spiritual. This is one of the things I talked about in the book. Like it's craving for mysticism, but they're not getting it from Christianity because that's being held back from them. But the occult, that will offer it, and then they're all drawn in. And the, the damage can come pretty quickly if you don't get out of there. Well, and, you know, it's easy. You know, you mentioned how, it, you know, it, the occult really— you know, hides in plain sight, so to speak, right? You put the name Christian yoga or you put something Christian in front of one of these things and everybody thinks automatically it's okay, right? Without any discernment or really true understanding about the roots of what they're doing. And that, you know, that discernment issue, that came up a lot that um, one of the priests I mentioned in the book talks about the spirit of gullibility that has just taken over, like, so many people's minds, they, they just go after anything. They don't discern good from evil. It's like most people have bought in to what I think Pope Benedict called a practical atheism, where we are atheists in the way we live. We may offer our prayers occasionally to God, but we never talk to him or abide by his will. And going back to the issue of the church, like some of the people I talk to were either led to the occult by lackadaisical Christian parents or instructed to go after the occult by Catholic priests who were their um, pastors. So, and, and, and I make the point, like if it's in the laity, if it's in the, if it's in the upper hierarchy, it's gotta be in the parish priest and the, the um, parishioners, because there's this sharing, there's this trickle down. Like if, if a Cardinal is into the occult and we've seen this, then parish priests throughout the world are probably going to be there. Cause that's where a Cardinal would start. He would start, at the lowest level. And then we have these testimonies all over the place of nuns and priests encouraging people into yoga and Reiki. 
I mean, in energy work, it's, it's really remarkable. And then one of the chapters, I think it was chapter five, I can't remember four or five. Um, where's the title? It wasn't, it wasn't, it was one I thought about not including, but I had to, it's the world and the occult have infiltrated the church. And I had to cut out a lot of material because there was too much. Like I'm, I'll have a part two, a rise of the, the rise of the occult. There's a second part coming out where I have more material like on Pachamama sage smudging. Like there's far too much evidence is showing that a lot of the hierarchy are dabbling in the occult in some manner to some depth. Well, it really is. And and again, that's why we need to be aware, right? Just because somebody says something, we have to, you know, measure it against the foundational teachings of the church. You know, what did Christ say? If it doesn't fit with what Christ says, then obviously it's something we need to ignore and stay away from. So it's, it's not rocket science, but if we don't know our faith, we're easily led, aren't we, into these into this abyss that, that could really, you know, cost us our eternal souls. And and lack of catechesis, like that came up a lot, even during COVID things got so much worse when the, at the worst possible time, the hierarchy decides to shut down the churches. When, When people, more people went into the occult during COVID when the churches were shut down than they were before that. I mean, it it makes perfect sense, but um, yeah. And like, like you said, it's not rocket science. This, the, it's clear what we should be doing as, as Catholics. So that, that's what makes, like you talked about, uh, the same-sex issue. Like Germany, I don't even know what you call Germany now. Like it's not schism. It's like apostasy. But no one's doing anything about it. They are just permitted to go off and bless all these things and ordain who knows what. Uh, it's it's mind boggling. That's one reason when I was writing the book, I'm like, I got to wrap this book up. I got to get it out because the world <laughs> is just going more and more insane every day. It was, that was one of my big anxieties. I would check the news and I'm like, wow, like, I don't know if the world's going to end before I publish this book. Well, you know, it's, and I've said it many times on the show, it's, it's like living the screw tape letters, right? I mean, it's, you know, right is wrong and wrong is right. And, if you're not rooted in Christ and you're not growing in your relationship with him, then you're going to be subject to whatever way the wind blows. And so it really is important. But you mentioned in the book, you know, the times that we're going through now are just like the early church, right? This is nothing new, but we've just kind of done it on steroids. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that was one thing that came up real fast from the former cultists and the exorcists. They were both saying the same thing about this early church, that the Christians are now uh, the minority, you know, true Christians. There are a lot of fake Christians, you know, blanketing the planet, but the the church is really already small. People talk about Pope Benedict's, um, you know, quote unquote prophecy about the church getting really small. Like it's already happened. Like, and we're really starting to see it now because um, the morality issue the, the lukewarmness and the total rejection of Christian morals is becoming more obvious. And then those who actually hold fast to the traditions and the morals are more apparent and much, much smaller. But also with the early church analysis, like people were fleeing the occult. The occult was everywhere when Christianity came on the scene in the beginning. Like that's the devil's religion. He was basically unchallenged until Christ came and set up the kingdom of God and really just ransacked the kingdom of Satan 
so people were burning their magic books. Like there are all these great stories in the Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles and the writings of St. Paul about the conversion of these these pagans who were possessed and summoned demons. Uh, and that's what we're dealing with now. And that's one of the concerns. A lot of priests don't know how to deal with this because their faith is so weak. Their holiness is not there. And they they really need that because God, there, there are two things, you know, with exorcists, there's the authority and then there's the power of holiness. Like St. Catherine of Siena and other great saints who were not priests, they were able to cast out demons just because of their holiness. So pastors nowadays, they need to be, both have the knowledge of how to handle these people and the holiness so the Holy Spirit can really flow through them because he wants to, but he has to work through us. Well, and it really involves courage, right? And we live in a world where courage is something that, you know, is hard to find because people don't want, people want to be liked, right? They don't want to make people mad. They're afraid of this. They're afraid of that. And that includes way too many pastors. Now there are many courageous ones, but unfortunately they all need to be courageous because they have people coming every Sunday or every day coming to mass. And if they're not hearing the truth in a, in a way that people can comprehend and, and take out into the world, then kind of shame on us. But, you know, really all you have to do is look at the world. Just People just need to sit back and look at what's going on on social media, on the news, the anger, the screaming, right, the bullying, the, the people wearing masks. I mean, it is so evident that this is demonic, yet somehow those on the left and, and even, you know, many in the church who are on the left side try to try to normalize this and try to make those that are faithful look like the guilty ones, don't they? Uh, yeah. And that's one of the things um, that is just really hard to, hard to understand. I can't remember who it was in my book. I think it may have been Cardinal Burke, but don't quote me on that. It's in, it's in chapter four or five where he talks about it's, it's difficult to understand God's permissive will in this generation. Like, we, we know God is allowing all these things, and we know it will get really bad right before the, the reign of the Antichrist, that one day the Antichrist will reign on the earth, and it will be absolutely horrific. And, you know, some of the high prelates these days have speculated that, you know, maybe we are living in the end times. Some of the signs are there, not all the signs, but uh, regardless, you know, we're all supposed, we're supposed to always live like we are in the end times. Um, even for our own selves, like his death, you never know when, when our Lord's going to call us, we must be always ready. But yeah, these times are, are uh, bewildering. And you said something, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it reminded me of how I wrote the book towards the end. Um, I worked on it for, I don't know, about a year and a half solid from the beginning to the end. Uh, and this is doing it full time. So it sounds kind of fast for a book, but if this is your full-time work, you know, it's uh, right. it seems reasonable. But I had to rewrite it a couple times, not not completely, but I couldn't find the right voice. I had too much material. It was like 800 pages at one point. <laughs> and then <laughs> it was a, a real struggle, but it was December 23rd um, when I finally, like something clicked and I started rewriting the book in a new voice, a new organization cutting things out just more willingly. It's one of the things that's hard as a writer to just to cut something out of your book that you really wanted to be there. But what I ended up doing was this version, this book, the final book was written during the Christmas season from start to finish those 40 days. And one of the things that is you'll see in there is this, 
the, this hope that pivots around the mystery of the incarnation that I really think occultists, modern occultists, are really going to be drawn to the church through the mystery of the incarnation, like that specific uh, revelation, the way our Lord came to us uh, with the with the star, with the magi, uh, just this mystery light in the darkness, like it's real powerful. And I, I saw that in a lot of the interviews I did with people, but once I started writing it, it just, it just came up. And I, I hope it was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I think people need to run with that when we're trying to reach the world, like present the mystery, present the beauty, present the gentleness and the power that our Lord brings to the, to the world. Well, one of the things we can do is is to protect our families, which involves, you know, prayers. You know, we pray the Exilium Christiorium every day here in our family. Um, but, you know, it, it involves blocking things out of our home, right? Not allowing everything on social media, whatever it is on TV, right? We, we have a responsibility to fight this and the ability to fight this and and educate our children in the truth so we can't be passive and just hope hey the church needs to do this and pastors need to do that right we have to kind of take the bull by the horns and protect our own families and lead them in the faith right because if we're passive if we are um not being courageous the world is so aggressive that it will get to our kids. I mean, it will get to us if we don't have all the the shields up and the discernment up and the filters up and and are actively doing what is good, not simply avoiding what is bad, but actively doing what is good. But the same for the, even more so for the kids, like because they're so curious, they're listening, they're sponges soaking up everything. If we're not filling them with with goodness, then they will, especially if they're connected at all to social media or the movies or if they're in public schools, you know, God help them if they're in public schools. But even even homeschooling at the world is so because we homeschool our four kids, but the, the world is so like whenever we go out, I mean, you see the multi-pierced people, the tattooed people, the different colored hair people, the occultic symbols, and the kids are just full of questions like what's going on there? And you have to com- compassionately and uh, mercifully, non-condemnationally, uh, explain what's going on with these people, and that we need to pray for them. Uh, so there's so much special coaching for this rising generation of kids uh, because the world is so weird, um, and you want them to be on alert, but also to be filled with love and pity and a desire to, to convert these people because that may be their work. They may be the missionaries to, to the occult. Well, you mentioned when you go out in public, you know, it used to be when you were a kid, you got to go to the circus. Now, every day you go outside, it looks like a circus. Exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> it is like I went one time we moved several months ago and I went out to get some fast food because we usually don't eat fast food. Um, but I went to two places and each one. The music was weird, and the, the there were, you know, bull rings on the girls serving the food. And just, you know, I can't tell if that's a boy or a girl or a girl trying to be a boy. Like, it was at both places. I mean, why couldn't one of them been, be have been normal? <laughs> it's, it's, it's really discouraging. And, uh, yeah, hence yeah. why I wrote the book. Yeah, well, I think, again, I think the book helps us be aware. And, you know, you get into, you know, it's really in every aspect. You talk about music, medicine, entertainment, education, even the military, right? I mean, it's. 
we, we have to be on guard no matter where we go. We can't let our guard down because the minute we do, we will pay the price. So it really, I think reading this book does make sure that our antennae are up and that we are aware of what's going on so that we can fortify our families, our homes, and our children. Yeah, and that was that was the goal, you know, awareness and then what to do. And even I think the book will be helpful for people who've fallen into it, who have not had the radar and the shields up and have fallen into it and don't know how to get out or don't know how dangerous it is, um, even for priests. I mean, they need to know how to teach their flock, like what's going on out there and what to do about it. Well, anything you mentioned awareness, right? So it's an awareness of our surroundings. It's an awareness of what's going on in our homes. It's an awareness of what we're allowing to come into our homes. And we do live in a world that's very not self-aware, right? It's it's this narcissistic world that everything, you know, how does it make me feel as opposed to what should I be doing? And so I think reading this and, and listening to the, you know, reading the interviews, and you probably could have interviewed another hundred people. And you would have heard a lot of similar stories. Oh yeah, definitely. I had to. I had to stop. I had to stop doing interviews because I. I was there were too many. Like I had to just cut it off. I got to write this book at some point. You know, it can't be a ten thousand pages long. But it, one of the things I did see though was a consistency. I had sixteen former occultists that I included in the book, and there was a consistency, and there was a consistency with what they were saying, with what the exorcists and the pastors were saying. So it's. It's uh, which was very, very helpful. I think people and the second book, when that comes out in a couple months, that'll give even more detail. Like, what is Wicca really about? What is modern Satanism really about? Like, not the dark, gritty, nasty details, but like, what is my kid like if your kid goes into Wicca? Like, that will help answer. Like, what what are they getting into? What do they believe? Um, How where are the similarities with the faith? Like, there are ways to fetch people out of the occult. Well, we're down to about the last 30 seconds or so, and I knew this knew this conversation was going to go fast, probably like your book, right? You can't talk about everything, but hopefully it whets right. people's appetite so they go out and get the book. And can you remind them about your website again and how they can get the book? So my website is slayingdragonspress.com, and you can find all my books there. I'm happy to sign them. Of course, no extra charge. Just put a little note in the order. Uh, it's also on Amazon and... I also have a YouTube channel, the uh, Slaying Dragons Apostolate is YouTube. I'm on Twitter by my name and Facebook by my name. So uh, follow me, subscribe there. I'm trying to you know, do more um, social media stuff. My, my knack is research and writing, but uh, I'm trying to get in the text as well. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.